Turn to that parable again after just uh, having been there a few weeks ago. I've never had like a mini-series and then gone on to something else and gone back to the same thing again. This is the first time I've ever done that. But I've been camped out on that passage of Scripture for some time. And what I mean by that is I've been studying it and looking uh, for the lessons in it. It's a very powerful, very powerful story. And uh, I think you may remember me saying that it has inspired uh, many, many uh, works of art, plays that have been based on that plot. Um, books have been written that mirror that plot. It has captured the imagination of people through, throughout the centuries, really, for almost 2,000 years. Um, the... Do we have the PowerPoint there, Scotty? Thanks. The picture that you see there is was done by Rembrandt almost 500 years ago. And uh, this particular picture hangs in the Hermitage in St. Petersburg, which used to be Leningrad. Saint, or Catherine the Great purchased it. It was... Great, great significance to her, and so there it hangs to this day. Family, family matters really caused a whole lot of stress. Would anybody agree with that? Some are nodding, oh yeah. (laughs) I know what you're talking about. Family can cause a lot of problems. Family members... Can I mean it's it's kind of strange, isn't it? You know, if if they actually drop dead, that you'd cry. But <laughs> well, they're alive, man. You like to, you'd like to kill them, right? It just there's this this terrible love hate relationship that we have. Family problems. Wow. A minister was speaking to a Sunday school class, and he was trying to um, trying to demonstrate the point that money money can't buy love, and so he says. Um, he says to the kids in the Sunday school, for instance, if, if I was willing to pay you uh, $1,000 not to love your mom and dad anymore, would anybody do that? And, and uh, of course, everybody, no, they'd never quit loving their mom and dad for $1,000. But one little voice in the back of the room said, how much would you pay me not to love my big brother? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe you're ready to do that, Freddie, for, for a lot less than $1,000. I don't know. Life's been a struggle. Robert Orbden um, says, Who can ever forget Winston Churchill's immortal words? We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. And he says, This sounds exactly like our family vacations. (laughs) Um, Maybe maybe things are, are difficult in your family right now. I don't know. Maybe it's not your family you got a problem with. Maybe it's maybe some of your your brothers and sisters in the church you're struggling with. <laughs> How do I follow that up? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh... Oh, that's good. (laughs) 
Maybe it's uh, maybe it's someone at work that you're struggling with. I don't know. Maybe it's some. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe somebody in your community. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. I don't know. But you got to struggle, and it ain't pretty. Well, this story that Jesus tells, the story of the prodigal son, is a story about uh, not just a prodigal son, but actually uh, a good older brother, a good older brother. You know the story. That guy that's kneeling down there, just uh, just a short while before this happens, he goes to his dad and says, Dad, I like uh, my inheritance now, I like it early, and get a sort of cash in some land and give me give me the money that I'm going to inherit from you. Uh, Dad, living at home is just a little too stifling for me, and um, I, I just want to get out there and live a little bit. Dad, you've been cramping my style, and I just don't want to be here anymore. And his father goes along with his wishes, gives him the money, and off he goes. And while he's away, you know the story, he squanders it all, loses it all. And it's while he's actually... I mean, gone from riches to rags. I'm telling you, he, he's, he's working for somebody. Um, and he's in the pigsty, feeding the pigs. And he's saying, man, I sure wish I could eat what the pigs are eating. And suddenly he comes to his senses and he thinks to himself, you know, the people that work for my dad, even they eat better than this and are treated better than this. So he says, you know, I think I'm going to go home to my dad. I'm just going to, I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to tell dad I don't, I don't deserve to be a son. Uh, I don't deserve anything more than to be just a, a hired man. And so you know the story. He goes home to his dad. And while he's, while he's in the distance, I mean, his dad is watching every day, watching the horizon to see whether, whether that's his son returning or not. And suddenly he sees a figure on the horizon and he's absolutely positive that's his son. And he takes off, running through the fields, tucks his robe into his belt and he's running like crazy to get his son. And, and his servants think his, their, their, their master's gone, gone, gone out of his mind and they run, at, run after him. And then they catch up to him and they see that the father is going to greet his prodigal son. When the father gets there, he tells the servants, look at quickly, run and get a robe for my son. His son was in rags. Quickly get some shoes for him. He had no shoes. His shoes were worn out there. He lost it all. Go get a ring for his finger. We're going to restore him. He's going to be back into a position of son in this home he won't be a servant. He's going to be a son in this home, and he's going to have the authority that he had before. And not only that, but go kill the fatted calf, and, and we're going to have a celebration. So there's a prodigal welcome back with open arms, and there's the father. Rather than being silent, cool, angry, resentful, it's full of joy. And then there's the brother. You see the brother off to the right there, right-hand side? He's looking down. There's no joy in his face. There's no movement towards his brother to say, man, I'm glad you're home, bro. He's looking down at his brother with absolute disgust. The little jerk has come home. He's mad. 
The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, if you want to take your Bibles and turn there, Luke 15, verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What on earth is going on? What's the, what's the music? What's the dancing for? And then the servant says, Your brother's home, and your dad's having a celebration, and the brother is absolutely shocked. He cannot believe that his father would be welcoming home his prodigal brother like this. This is just too much for him. The older son, the, the good brother, is angry. Now, I want you to, to listen to this very carefully. Because here's what's going to happen. In all of your relationships with absolutely everybody in your life, you're going to come to a moment of truth or a moment of decision where you are either going to have to make a choice to celebrate these people in your life or judge them. You're going to either celebrate them or judge them. And this older brother looks at his brother and rather than celebrating the return of his prodigal brother, you know what he does? He judges him. The father calls his calls his eldest son come on come on into the party come on into the celebration come in and celebrate the return of your brother he was dead and now he's alive there's much to celebrate but the older brother says no i am not going to celebrate i'm going to judge listen to me that is how you and i are going to treat everybody in our life we're either going to we're either going to celebrate the people in our life or we're going to judge them And the question is this today. How do you treat the people in your life? Do you judge them or do you celebrate them? I know what you're thinking, but it's easier to celebrate people who are good and do good and always behave and never make mistakes. It's easy to celebrate them, but it's the people who let you down. They're the ones that are hard to celebrate. Anybody here good all the time? And never, ever, ever do anything wrong and have never done anything wrong. Anybody like that here? Okay, here we got a problem here, folks. Because the thing is, is that we have no problem celebrating good people, but we have an awful hard time celebrating people who are not so good. And the fact of the matter is, look at me here, not crying babies, look at me. (laughs) It's always easier to judge than it is to celebrate. Do you agree with that? That's what we do. We judge. That's our default setting. It's part of the sin nature. We call it the sin nature. To judge the people in our lives. So here's the thing. Here's, here's what our perspective is. Everybody has this perspective. I am the good one. Think of the last struggle or the last fight that you had with somebody. It might have been your husband or your wife. It might have been on the way to church this morning. <laughs> It might have been at the breakfast table. And you thought you were right, and she thinks she's right. You think you're the good one, she thinks she's the good one. That's our perspective. Look at the son, Luke 15, 29. Look what it says here. But he answers his father. That's the older brother now. He answers his father. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. What is he saying to his dad? Dad... 
My younger brother's the bad brother, and I'm the good brother. I'm the good guy, and he's the bad guy. Listen to that voice in his head. He's saying, I've been faithful to my father. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't squandered my dad's money. I haven't run away from home, and no one would accuse me of being a prodigal. What's he doing? He's comparing himself to his younger brother. We call that judging. What's he doing? His sense of goodness, listen to this, his sense of goodness is not based on God's standard of goodness. It's based on his brother's behavior. Now, you don't have to be an archbishop to know that the standard of goodness is not based on how good or how bad other people are. Because here's the thing. When you stand before God someday, God's not going to say, let's see, should I let... Shall I let Bob into heaven? Hmm. Well, compared to Dennis, he's a lot better. So, yeah, he's in. And Vicky's so happy Bob got into heaven. <laughs> and God's not going to look at, at Dennis and say, well, Dennis, let's see, compared to Jarrell, Dennis is good. So Dennis is into heaven as well. And see, Jarrell, let's see. Hmm, he's pretty bad egg. No, I'm, not, I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> How many know today that your goodness is not based on how bad somebody else is? When God looks at your heart, guess what, folks? Your goodness is based on the goodness of Jesus, who, in case you didn't remember, was perfect. And when you stand before God someday, God's going to look at your heart to see if you're like Jesus. And you say, well, pastor, that's impossible. Who could live like that? Well, you're absolutely right. It's impossible. Nobody, nobody can be as good as Jesus. Listen, unless you put your faith in Jesus. And if you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says that you receive Christ's righteousness, his goodness. So when you stand before heaven, before God someday in heaven, God's going to see Jesus in you. I don't know about you, but that's, that's the time to say, thank you. Now, what are the voices in your head saying? I'm not like my brother. I'm not like my sister. I'm better than my brother. I'm not like my mother. I'm not like my boss. I'm not, like, not, like, not like, like my partner. I'm better. I haven't done that. I've never slept around. I've never committed adultery. I've, I've, I, no one would ever accuse me of being a, a prodigal. No one would ever accuse me of being a, You can fill in the blanks yourself. I'm wiser. I'm smarter. I'm more gifted. Now, listen to me, friends. At the end of the day, if you're a believer, a Christ follower, it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. What matters is this, is that you start loving and celebrating the people in your life. And you've got an issue with somebody. They're just driving you crazy, and you know they're wrong, and you know you're right. Let it go. Let God deal with that. You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound right. It is right. It's the way that God has called us to live. To love one another. And you'll find when you read the scriptures where it says to love one another, there's no little footnote at the bottom of the page that says, love one another except when he does, except when she says, except when 
There's no exceptions. It's called, it's what we call unconditional love. Now, can you imagine if we lived in a world where Christians actually practiced that kind of love? What an amazing world this would be. Don't you think that people would want to beat a trail to the doors of the church where Christians actually love one another unconditionally? So here's the thing. Your perspective is I'm, I'm the good one. But here's the reality. We're not so good. Look at that person beside you. You know that that person's not so good. <laughs> no, don't really. Don't, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. We don't want any wars breaking out here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, break it up now. <laughs> that, see that older brother there? He's, he's just as bad as his prodigal brother. Did you know that? He's just as much in need of God's grace as this brother who lived a wild life. Did you know that? Listen to the rant of the older brother. The older brother became angry and he refused to go into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him, come on in. Just stop there for a moment before I go any further. Have you lost your joy? Have you lost happiness? It's been a long time since you smiled or last time since you did a little dance or sang in the shower. It's been a while since you've had anything to be joyful about. Could it be, could it be that you've become like the older brother? You're sitting in judgment of the people in your life. Listen to his brother. He refuses to go into the celebration and ref- and instead chooses to be a judge. Those are your choices, folks. You're either celebrating the people in your life or you're judging them. That's what you do. And he chooses not to be, not to join the party. He chooses instead to judge. And he says this. Listen to his rant. Look! Did you notice the exclamation mark there? He's talking to his father. That's no way to talk to your father. Look, Dad. Look, Dad. Here's my dad over there. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could go and celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes... Well, hold on a minute here. Whoever said anything about prostitutes? Nothing ever, nothing was ever said about prostitutes up until this point. He hasn't even talked to his brother. How does he know he's been with prostitutes? I'll tell you what, folks. He's just assuming the very worst about his brother. You squandered his, your property with prostitutes. He comes home, you kill a fat calf for him. I want you to stop and consider something for a minute. This so-called good brother, he's actually now just broken four of the Ten Commandments. In his anger, he has sinned. And what does he do? He, he hates his brother. We call that murder. He's jealous of his brother. We call that coveting. He dishonors his father. We call that dishonoring your mother and your father. He puts his brother down. We call that bearing false witness. He's broken four of the commandments. Now look at the prodigal who's just come back living a wild life. 
What commandment did he break? One, he dishonored his father. What do we all do? We all judge people on the outward appearance, don't we? I'm going to tell you something, my friends. You might be a good son and do everything right and live all the right ways and you go to church and you carry your Bible and it's underlined and you sing the hymns and you sing the choruses and you you make sure you read your bulletin faithfully and you're involved and and you're so quick not to judge the other because... Well, he doesn't show up as often as I do, and he, he's not involved the way I am, and he's not even carrying a real Bible. He's carrying the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> I mean, he's not very spiritual. Wow. We don't know how this prodigal son lived. His sins and his shortcomings are obvious. He lived wild. He left dad. He was an embarrassment to the family and an embarrassment to his elder brother. But here's the thing, my friends, is that none of us here today can say we are better than anybody else. I can't say I'm better than Adam. And Adam can't say he's better than me. Adam is as as, as much in need of God's grace the Father's grace as I am. And you see that father hugging his prodigal son. And his father has nothing but love and mercy and grace to that son who has squandered so much. Listen to me, friends. You are just as much in need of God's grace. You may not have... You may not have lived wild or you may have grown up in the church you were born in the baptismal tank and you've been in the church ever since you've never done straight off the line up to the left but in your heart in your heart have you allowed anger resentment bitterness hatred coveting false witness have you allowed that into your heart the fact of the matter is is that every one of us here today is equally in need of God's grace. The reality is is that we're not so good. Anybody ever hear of the Apostle Paul? He wrote the good majority of the, I wouldn't say the majority, but a good portion of the New Testament. He is the one who God used to write a good portion of the New Testament. And you know what he says about himself? He says, I am the chief of sinners. He said, I'm the worst of the, there's no sinner as bad as I am. Now, you know, you and I don't say, you're right, Paul, you are the worst sinner. And I know a few others that are pretty, just about just as bad as you are. No, that's not the right attitude, friends. Your attitude needs to be the same as Paul's. You just say, no, Paul, you're not the chief of sinners, I am. Paul, you're not the one that needs God's grace as much as me. I'm the one that needs God's grace. Now listen to me, friends. If you come to the place where you understand how much you need God's grace, as much as anybody else, guess what happens? You stop being a judge and you start being a celebrator. You start celebrating what God is doing in the lives of others. And you celebrate what God's doing in your life. It's so easy to judge, isn't it? Well, here's a choice that you and I have to make. His father, look at his response to his son. So his father went out. His son wouldn't come into the party. 
So the father goes out to his son and he pleads with him. Please, I, I beg you, come into the party. Not just for the sake of your younger brother, but for your sake, son. You need to come in and you need to let this go. I'm not holding a grudge against your little brother and neither should you. I'm not judging your little brother and neither should I. Neither should you. There's a choice that we have to make, friends. We do, we do, when we deal with one another, you either start celebrating the people in your life and what God's doing in their hearts or you can judge them. But if you're going to be a judge, you're going to be a very unhappy person. And actually what will happen is that you will start pushing people away. Do you know why? Because when you're in a celebration, you're enjoying fellowship. But when you're judging and you're miserable, you, you sit alone. You ever notice that a judge sits alone behind his legal desk? But when you go to a party, you're mingling and you're smiling and you're laughing with the many. Listen to me, friends. If you have lost your joy, if you've lost your smile, if you've lost fellowship, could it be that you've taken up the role as judge and You've forgotten what it means to celebrate what God's doing in the lives of people around you. This uh, older brother, he looked at his younger brother and he, he knew that he knew that he knew that he was right and his brother was wrong. Listen, listen, you've got to get this. You have to get this into your heart. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. What matters is that you do what your Father in heaven has called you to do. And what is it? It's to love one another. So I want to ask you a question right now. Who is it right now in your life that you're having a hard time loving? Who is it in your life right now that you're really struggling with? You're, re- you're angry at them. To be, to be honest, you're very angry with them. In fact, you're so angry that you, if you spit on the ground the ground would rot. You're that mad. You can just hear the older brother's yeah, but. Dad says, celebrate. Celebrate your brother's return. And the older brother's, yeah, but what about the money he squandered? Yeah, but what about the embarrassment to the family? Yeah, but what about the way he's dishonored you, father? Yeah, but what about the wild living? Yeah, but what about... And the father says, let it go. Love your little brother. Love him. Embrace him. Hug him. Kiss him. Tell him that you're happy that he's home. Who are the people you're judging right now? God's calling you to celebrate the people in your life, not to judge them. And I can hear the yabbats in your head. Because those yabbats have been in my head too at times. I don't stand here this morning as one who's got it all together all the time. I struggle with this just the same way you do. I can hear the yabbats. But Pastor, you don't know how he has hurt me. You don't know what she said to me. Pastor, you don't know the terrible things that she... You don't know what a liar, what a gossip. You don't know what a thief... Pastor, you don't know that he's breaking God's law. You don't know that he's not, he's not holding up the standard of righteousness. 
That's, that's God's business. It's not yours. Do you know when you get to heaven, you won't be sitting on the, on the bench beside God judging people? Did you know that? You'll be sitting, standing in front of him, giving an account to God, and nobody in heaven will be giving an account to you. And so your job is to love. You say, Pastor, yeah, but they're not very lovable. I don't find any exception in the scripture. I don't find any footnote that says you can love some and hate others if you want to. There's one rule. In fact, the Bible says the whole Bible is summed up in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what's another one? Love your brother as yourself. That is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And so we need to get something straight right now. Right here and right now. God has not called you to judge anyone. You're called to celebrate the lives of those whom God loves. And who does God love? The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Does that about sum it up? <laughs> if God loves the world, then you are called to love the world as well. And you're especially called to love your brothers and sisters. Now, let's look at that last picture for a moment. You know, it's really easy, isn't it? You can look at a situation. You can look at another family. You can look at another person's problems. And you can easily come up with a whole wealth of wisdom. And you're able to tell people what to do, whatever. But what happens when it's you in the picture? What happens when it's not just you're an observer looking on? What happens when it's you who's having a hard time? What do you do? Who are you judging? Who are you angry with? Have you noticed a change in your attitude? You've lost your joy. You've lost your faith. You've lost your happiness. You're not as joyful as you used to be. You're busy trying to fix people and set people straight and put them all lined up and put them in order. We do that, don't we? Especially if you're a parent. I mean, it's your, that's your default setting as a parent. I'm going to get them all sorted out. Make sure that this, everything's done right and decently and in order. You know what, parents, sometimes what your kids need is just a hug. They don't need to be told that, that they failed because they already know that. Sometimes your spouse doesn't need to be scolded. Sometimes, well, all the time, your spouse just needs a hug. Just needs to be reminded that you love him. You love her. God is calling you to celebrate the people in your life. You say, Pastor, how do I celebrate people in my life? And I'm telling you, celebrate everybody in your life. How do you do that? Well, somebody just after the service today came up to me and, and gave me a few words of encouragement. I said, thank you for celebrating me. And they said, what? I said, were you listening to the sermon? He said, yes. I said, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Thank you. Thank you for celebrating me. I needed that. Sometimes you need to go and give somebody a slap on the back and just say, way to go. But don't slap too hard. <laughs> Sometimes you need to, just need to send a note of thanks. Say, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Our small group, back a few weeks back, knew of a family in the church, single mom, raising kids alone, and we sent a, car, or sent a, a card with a gift of money in it. Just to, just to say, we're thinking of you. And she sent me back this little card here. Not, I'm not going to read it all, but she says, um, I taped your card 
on my phone to remind me that there are people praying and thinking of us. Thank you. Thank you. There's all kinds of people out there right now, my friends, that need your love. Like a card, a phone call, a coffee, a donut. I enjoy blueberry fritters. In 1986, as a youth pastor, Charleswood Gospel Temple, and um, a fellow came to our church, a hitchhiker, and he said, I, uh, I need a place to stay, and um, my life's a wreck. Can you help me? And I said... Of course, we'd be happy to do that. So I said, tell me a little bit about your, about your life, Fred. Fred began to tell me about how he, his parents got rid of him. Those are his words, got rid of him as a little boy. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't take him, couldn't stand him anymore, and he was put into foster homes. He tells a story about how he went from foster home to foster home to foster home to foster home. He told me about how he was living. He was doing drugs. He'd done some, done some major thieving. He had a police record. And then he told me that he had had He'd been, been uh, molested and that he had AIDS. Now, I don't know if anybody remembers in the 1980s when, when we just first started hearing about AIDS, but there was question as to whether or not you could, you could get AIDS just by being in the same room with someone. And I remember my heart going cold thinking, here I am beside this guy who might have AIDS, and what happens if I breathe in the germ and get it too? I was scared. And then all of a sudden I started to think about the way this guy was living. And my, my reaction was to judge him. And then God touched my heart. And, and God said to, in that still small voice, it wasn't an audible voice, but God said, Fred needs to be loved. Will you love him? Fred had no idea what the struggle that was going on in my heart at that moment. But I said, yes, Lord, I will show love to Fred. We got up left my office, and he said, nobody has been kind to me. Wherever I've gone, every single church I've ever been to, they've rejected me and told me, literally told me to get out. This is the first time that I've been loved and accepted. And he began to cry, 
and then he went over to give me a hug. Because we were able to show Fred love, Fred gave his heart to Jesus. Because we celebrated the fact that God could find Fred in the midst of all his difficulty, all his pain, all his struggles, all his his sorrows, because we celebrated his life, he gave his heart to Jesus. I wonder today if your judging is keeping people away from God. I wonder if your judging is causing a breakdown in your family, in your marriage, in your church. God has called you to love, to love unconditionally, to celebrate the people in your life. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, it's so, uh, it's so natural and easy to be a judge, to be a critic. It's so difficult to love and to love unconditionally. God, we confess to you today that too often we, we think uh, we're living spiritually, but in fact we're living quite opposite to the way you've called us to live full of love, full of forgiveness, full of mercy, and full of grace. God, today, we we pray that you would bring us back to that place of joy, of celebration. Help us to come in from the cold and come back into the party, to celebrate the good things that you're doing in the lives of the people around us. And we pray, God, that you would use us to show the love and the mercy of our Father in Heaven. Because there's a whole world out there that needs to know how much the Father loves them. God, help us not to be like that older brother who thought he had it all together and who thought he was so spiritual, but in fact, at the end of the day, was was even more hard-hearted and cold-hearted than even his prodigal brother. God, help us to celebrate the lives of those that we know. Help us to celebrate our children, our spouse, our friends, people we work with. Help us, Lord, to to send that thank you note, to send that note of encouragement. I'm thinking of you. Help us to, to pray for those people in our lives, oh God, that are sometimes difficult to take. Help us, God, to, to give that hug. Help us to say those kind words. Help us to show up when we don't feel like showing up. And God, we thank you today that when we stand before you someday, the question will be not who did you judge and how well did you judge. No, it will be who did you love? How much did you love? God, make us a people who know how to love others. We prayed in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing, shall we?